Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke chapter 15, and it's a parable, a story that Jesus told to make a point, to teach a lesson about the relationship between God and people. Hear now these words. Then Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country, and there he squandered his property in desolate living. When he spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? But here I am, dying of hunger. I'll get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off, and he went to his father. But while he was still far off, His father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and get the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. It would be a great way to end the story because it's a happy ending there, but like in most families, there's more going on. Now the elder son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has got him home back safe and sound. Then the elder brother became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him, but he answered his father, listen. For all these years, I've been working for you like a slave, and I've never disobeyed your command. Yet you've never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this, your son, comes back home, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed a fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Join with me in prayer. We are so grateful, God, to have this place to gather and these to gather with. May this worship, our music, our reflections, our prayers, and the fellowship of all of us with each other now and in the picnic to come and in the days to come reflect the family that you want for us to be. 
the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts and minds to be worthy and acceptable in your sight. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Welcome home. It is really good to be with you. It is well that you have come home. It is good for me that you've come home. It's good for all of us that you are here. And we pray that it's good for you today to be home. Do you realize that home is not the same when you're not there? We miss you. When you're not here, when you yourself are not the one here with us, it's just not the same. I know we don't tell you that often enough, but it's true. Somehow when just one of you has gone from this gathering, when we come together, no matter what else may be going on, you're not here and you're missed. Do you know how it is when somebody in your house is missing, away, not with you? Oh, you go about your day-to-day, and you get things done, of course, and, and you adapt, and you adjust, and you do what you need to do, but it doesn't change the fact they're not there. My guess is you don't always tell them that either. In fact, it's been my experience, a lot of times I didn't know how much I would miss them till they were gone. Maybe that's why homecomings are so important. We want to create space where people can come home. I expect in your family, there are probably some days of the year or events in the family life where it's expected, if it's at all possible, you all come home. Because we need to see you. And maybe we need to go home. That's why schools, I think, have homecomings every year. A reunion every five to ten years, yeah, that's fine, but... Somehow there needs to be a place every year where if I want to go back and I want to relive memories, I want to reclaim the space that was sacred to me back then, I want to see old friends who knew me back in the day, I get a chance to go back every year to homecoming. That's why they do it every year. Did you know that in the South, churches do homecomings? I didn't know that. When I first moved to North Carolina in 1977, I'd never heard of such a thing, and on this Sunday... Back in 1977, I went to St. Matthew's United Methodist Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina, for the first time. I was appointed as their student assistant pastor. It was my first Sunday. I pulled up, and there were tents out on the lawn. And it was clear that after just a few minutes, I realized hundreds of chickens had been sacrificed for that day. (laughs) Mounds of potato salad were being brought in from the parking lot, and I thought it was all for me. But I discovered they were having a homecoming, which I'd never heard of before. But apparently, all the pastors who could get there who'd been appointed before, and all the members who had moved away or left for whatever reason or just had not been around for a while, were really encouraged to come back on that day so they could be together as a family. It was a big celebration. Now, as I said, it was my first Sunday there, so it was sort of neat coming in on homecoming Sunday. 
So while it wasn't for me, it was a great family to come in to. And after the meal, I mean, after the worship service, we went to the meal, and there was a big picnic out on the front lawn, and all crazy good food and fun. And in the course of that meal, I was invited by the pastor to come over and meet the person I was working with, who had been working with the youth for a couple years before I got there. And so he introduced us, and I'm standing there talking to Laura Lee Sussums. And across the way, her new brother-in-law is sitting at table, and looks across and sees Laura Lee talking to this new minister intern, turns to his new mother-in-law, Laura Lee's mother, and says, that's the guy she's going to marry. <laughs> now, you have to understand, Paul said that because he knew I was a Yankee and he just wanted to needle his mother-in-law. <laughs> but over the years, it's been turned around to suggest that Paul was somewhat prophetic. Or as we say back home, he put his mouth on it. And either way, some amazing things can happen at homecomings. I can attest to that. Of course, homecomings are in. You can see a number of shows on TV about homecomings. Uh, coming home and other shows where they depict people coming home, and a lot of times it's for military deployment. And so they're big moments, and people are really anxious to see each other. Their loved ones coming home, having been deployed for a long period of time, perhaps in a dangerous war zone. And everybody from parents to children to spouses and friends and chocolate labs are anxious. And, of course, we all tune in and watch for one simple reason, the same reason you wanted to watch the video a few minutes ago. You want to see the elation. You want to see the hugs. You want to see the tears. You want to see people that happy that they get overwhelmed. Truth is, though, homecomings can be tricky. Sometimes they can be hard. Bringing the family back together means that you have to once again adapt to each other. Again, shift your routine. Remember going home after your first semester at college or your first time living away from home and you've sort of gained your independence and you sort of know who you are and now you're coming back into your house and it's still your parents' rules? Can I get an amen? amen. It's not always all fun and games. I remember when I used to go to camp for a week. And I would go up, and I'd be at camp, and I'd come home, and it'd only been a week, but I'd walk in the door, and the kids were glad to see me, and Laura was glad to see me, but you know, they'd sort of changed things while I was gone. And I sort of messed up the routine, and I had to be retrained. Now, some of you know that my wife Laura's been in North Carolina since January, taking care of her mother, and we still don't know how long that will go on, but one day she will come back home, and there's going to be some changes around the house, let me tell you. <laughs> I've gotten used to doing a few things my way. I've got this furniture here now, and I'm sort of doing this, and I like it this way, and I know that when she comes home, we're going to sit down, we're going to have this conversation that will probably last about a minute and a half. We'll do it her way, and off we will go. <laughs> but the reality is, homecomings, as much as we love them, we know they can bring a challenge, and it certainly was true for the prodigal son, or her da his dad, or, well, maybe his brother, well, I guess all of them. 
It's a great story. You know it well. At least you think you do, and I thought I did. It's found in Luke 15, which is the lost chapter. The lost coin and the lost sheep start off that chapter, and then we conclude with this prodigal son story. You know, there's a father, right, and two sons, the good one and the bad one. The one who stayed home and the one who went away. It's filled with family drama, and we love family drama as long as we're watching someone else have the drama. Any of you know anything about family drama? If you don't, watch your neighbors, because they're watching you, and we all have it. And in this story, we oftentimes have taken and said, well, it's a metaphor of how much God loves us and tries to pull together people who are not all on the same page. You know, there's the lost one. You know who the lost one is, right? They're the ones who aren't here. And we normally see ourselves as the elder brother. You know, maybe at worst, once in a while, you know, we might be as open to people as we should. But basically, we've been doing the work. And God's trying to put those two people together, and that's how we hear the story about how God loves us all unconditionally and so on. But what if this is not a metaphor? What if Jesus is just talking to us about a family? A father, a father who loves his sons so much, but not enough to be able to get them to come together on the same page. He loves his son who is with him. He appreciates all that he does, but he probably doesn't tell him that often enough. Probably he's come to sort of expect what that son brings to the table. And while that's going on, his heart breaks for the son he hasn't seen who's gone away, even if he did leave in a huff. His heart yearns for one day when that son will come back, and it's a hard place to be, to be that dad, that parent. Maybe... It's a story about two boys. We don't know a lot about their upbringing, but we know this, don't we? They aren't the same. Did you ever realize you can raise two kids and have at least seven personalities in that combination? And they're not the same? Well, they weren't the same. Never had been. Maybe they never got along. Maybe they did for a while. I don't know. But Time had passed and things weren't good. And we know we concentrate on this prodigal son partially because he's got the interesting story. (laughs) He goes to the places we won't go to, but we like hearing about people who did. And we hear about the things he did and sort of gets our interest in. And we discover one day he gets things so messed up in his life, the only option he has is the option ultimately we all come down to. We've got to go home. So he comes home, and you see this great embrace. This is the television show. Dad's there ready, and and he comes down, and they embrace, and they hug, and they throw a party, and it's fantastic. But what I didn't realize is that my imagination took over inappropriately. I assumed 
all was fine, and they lived happily ever after. The Scripture doesn't promise us that. The Scripture doesn't say to us anything about what happens after the night of this party. How do we know that when he got home, got cleaned up, got fed, got things put back together again, maybe he just ran off again? I don't know. And I also had this image that at the party, Dad goes out to bleed to his elder son, and somehow, even after Dad goes back into the party, the son becomes aware of his error, walks in, the music stops, they look across the room at each other, they walk over to each other, a hearty embrace is given, they are reconciled, and the family is brought back together. But that's just my imagination. It's just my hope. The scripture doesn't tell us that. The Scripture doesn't say to us that in the picture of a family that Jesus describes that everything automatically becomes hunky-dory, everything's perfect, and everybody's in love, and all the things that hurt each other in the past are all done with now. We never have to worry about them. It doesn't say that. All it says is this. Three individuals, very different, different generation, different personalities, different directions in life, have one thing in common. It's home. And they come home, which means that when they are there at home, they have the possibility of coming together. They have the possibility of coming to a place where they are not judged, even though each other knows the other stuff. They know the truth about each other, so there's no reason to even put up the pretense. And in that, there's the possibility that reconciliation could occur. There's the possibility that when we go home, we may discover to our amazement that we are still loved by those who really don't have to, except there's something deep within that says, yeah, I do. That when I come home, I discover that not only is there someone there who will love me, but there's somebody there that I can love because we know each other so well. And that's not a bad thing. The invitation here to the two boys and their dad is this. Come home. Because when you come home, there is that possibility that you'll be caught up in this love, caught up in these relationships. And no matter where you go the rest of your life, no matter what directions you take, you'll always have home with you. And you can make that a holy and good thing. And that's the church. Welcome home. We invite you to come. I don't know where you've been. I don't know what you've been doing. I don't know how it goes with all of you. I know some of you are hurting. Some of you are dancing. Some of you have no knowledge of whatsoever. But for whatever reason, God decided to put us together here in this place, in this worship, in these pews today. Welcome home. Because wherever you've been, whatever you're going through, in this place, you are loved without judgment. In this place, in the arms of this God who calls us, and I pray in the relationship with the brothers and sisters seated around you, you can find friends for life and holy siblings who know how to cry and know how to laugh right alongside you. That's possible. That's not like the home you came from. 
It's possible you've never experienced that kind of home before. I know something about that. All right, let me confess. I have a wife, two daughters, and all my dogs have been female. I like chick flicks. This is the moment where the women of the church say, you know, I really like Pastor Rick. And the guys go, I don't know. Sleepless in Seattle? Huh? Come on. Yeah. Remember? He's on the phone. His son has called this therapist. You remember the story, right? It's a love story between a father and his son, between a husband and his wife, whom he still loves so desperately, and an emerging love that will be his future. And on this night, he's lost in grief, and his son's worried about him, and he finds himself talking to Dr. Fieldstone on national radio. And she asked this question of him, what made his wife so special? And he answers, well, it was a million tiny little things that when you add them all up, they meant we were just supposed to be together. And I knew it. I knew it from the very first time I touched her. It was like coming home, although to no home that I'd ever known. I was just taking her hand to help her out of the car. And I knew it. It was like magic. Church of Jesus Christ exists, maybe for you and for many to be a home like they've never known before. A home where wounds and hurts and pains and less than full truth that we've been given and received from the world or maybe from ourselves or maybe from our families can be laid down at the door and we are welcomed into a place where we are worthy just because we are. Or we are loved just because that's the nature of God. And where, when we touch each other's hands in worship, when we sing next to each other or share potato salad under a tent, we discover that it's not magic, it's grace. Unconditional, never-ending, always given to you and given to me grace. You are loved. You are welcomed. You are home. And for those in the world around us who are not here today, but we miss them, I pray that we'll be the family who gives that invitation. You know, we missed you at home. And to those in the world who have no home, and this summer, been with a lot of folks who have no home, either a place where they are loved or even walls and a floor and a ceiling. May we be used as the new home for them and the family that offers to them love as well. Because it was always God's intent, I think the story says ultimately, wherever you are, whoever you are, whatever your truth is, here's the real truth. In the name of Jesus Christ, your home Welcome home.